We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. A big emphasis that we have as a church family at the moment is connecting with our wider neighbourhood, and especially here in St. Martin. So this week, um, a group of us went over to uh, the flats across the road, the 28 flats across the road, and here's what they got. I won't open it up because actually um, it kind of mucks it all up, but isn't that cool? Um, so Eureka helped uh, with the boxes and the ribbons and things like that, and it was a lot flasher than I thought, and this box is filled with lots and lots of goodies and things like that. So when we went up to these houses and said, hey, we're from across the road, we're just getting to know our neighbours, welcoming you to the neighbourhood, they're just blown away. They're just like, Really? Is that for me? Is that cool? You know, so, um, so yeah, hopefully that's kind of uh, built some good connections. We had some great conversations and things like that with people across the road. So, um, yeah, hopefully we're connecting literally with our neighbours in the area and loving them as, as best we can. So we're presenting you over these um, few weeks that we're going through this series with a number of ideas of how you can practically engage with people around you. And as we serve them, as Fraser was saying last week, as we do those good deeds, we open the door of opportunity to connect with them, to build relationships with those in our community and, yeah, show the love of God to them. So in light of that, uh, we're going to have Nikki and Kerry. Or Kerry and Nikki, do you want to come on up here? Um, Kerry and Nikki lead uh, 0800 Hungry, which is uh, a food bank in our city, uh, a very large warehouse. Um, you can go out and check it out if you like. Uh, they're more than open to having visitors, aren't you, and uh, having uh, people come and check it out. And just tell us, guys, a little bit about what you do and the difference it makes in people's lives. It would be fantastic. Cool. Yeah, give them a hand. <laughs> Did this at the wedding. <laughs> Ladies first. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, as some of you know what we do, we are a food bank and we take in hundreds of phone calls a week. Hang on, is it? Yep, yep, just hold it up nice and close. So we take in hundreds of phone calls a week and as a church and as agencies come in, those parcels are delivered out into the community. Now, some people in this church has had that opportunity to go out and do that and it's something that we do daily. And it can take a very long time to build those relationships out there in the community. One lady I met about five years ago and I took her a food parcel and I've watched her grow over the last five years and it's actually been a really hard journey for her and it's actually becoming a very sad journey also for her. I've watched her have her youngest child of five. I've turned around and seen her move out of our Anui area into a better home and then she rang last year about November asking for a food parcel and I actually asked her, how are you? How are you really feeling? She turned around and she said to me, oh, I'm not that great. I knew she had celiac disease. She's got a very rare form of celiac disease and she's been diagnosed with cancer because of the celiac disease. And we were chatting and chatting and then Kerry and I took a food parcel to her one night after work and first time ever, over five years, we actually stood there and talked and talked and talked. And she says, I grew up in foster care. My husband grew up in foster care so they've got no immediate family. Her five children do not know how sick she really is. She's got no support. And we stood there and we had tears. We had a hug. 
And now she'll text me and she'll say, can I have some help? And I said, sure, not a problem. Mm. And we turn around and we yak, and we yak via text. And not, mm. sometimes I just feel, oh, I've got to send her a text and see how she is. Mm. Um, it was about three weeks ago she rang up again and she said to me, my treatment's not going very well. I've got a 60% chance of dying if I take the next treatment. And my kids actually know how sick I really am now. There's no one in her life, and that's where we can be involved mm. in our community and be there for the good mm. ones and a little bit of time mm. and us to give some hope. Mm. Mm. Yep, very cool. And that's the answer. It's hope. Mm. That's the thing that we need as Christians to be able to give the people out there. I mean, the basis of 0800 Hungary is built on the fact that we're a mule ministry, you know, and, and God actually named the mules of love, hope and compassion. He said without those three ingredients, you're not going to succeed out there because that's what we need to give a world that's dying and going backwards. Mm -hmm. Now, we see a lot of things. I mean, 0800 Hungary is about to reach its 19th birthday and we've had a lot of struggles on the way through. Mm -hmm. um, and I got a lot of gravel rash from making mistakes. Mm -hmm. But we're there and God has kept us, no matter how dark it's got, uh, it's got for us in the past, God's come through. We're still going and there's some changes going out there and, and, and I want to talk to the church just for a few minutes about it, is the fact that churches are rising up in Christchurch and starting to go into the community. It's time to move. One of the scriptures 0800 Hungary was built on was James 1.27, and it says, Pure and undefiled religion in God the Father's eyes is to seek out the widows and orphans in their distress and comfort them. Mm. Okay, it's getting up, it's going out. Mm. And, and I fed myself a little bit of uh, spiritual uh, food last night and this morning, you know, just to, to build me up because you can get into a bit of a dark place when things aren't heading in the right direction. And it's all about prayer. Mm. And it said this, you know, prayer is vital mm. for the people that you're praying for. Mm. It's a tool for Christians to use. Mm. Mm. But yep. church, it's not a crutch to get away from the need to go out into the community and touch people's lives. Because when you do, you see the results that Nikki does. It's not an instant thing. You can't go down and hit him over the head with a Bible and tell him you need Jesus. But you build a relationship. Mm. That's you give them hope, mm. okay? Mm. And they'll ask you why. Mm. That's your opportunity. Mm. Cool. Thanks, guys. Can we stand? Yeah, give them a hand. Yep. But can we stand and we're going to pray for 0800 Hungry. Um, today it would be really good to just stand with these guys. and Yeah, bless you and all that you're, all that you're doing. Yeah, cool. Lord, we thank you for Kerry and Nikki. We thank you for... Lord, their, first of all, their vision and passion to start a very effective ministry that has blessed thousands of people in our city. And Lord, we pray for your blessing and your favour to be upon it. Bless their finances so that they're able to continue to be a blessing to our city. Lord, we pray that uh, those funding applications that they put in, they, they come in and they're successful. Um, but more than that, we pray that as the volunteers take these food parcels into homes all around our city, Lord, that relationships would be built, that your kingdom would be extended, that the love of God would go um, into homes and into people's lives and people would respond to you. Lord, you would use this ministry to be a significant blessing and bring your kingdom to the city. And Lord, I pray for um, Kerry and Nikki. Lord, I pray that you would keep them strong 
as they lead this ministry and lead the team that's there, bring really quality people around them who can uh, support them and strengthen them in all that they're doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you, guys. Cool. You can take a seat. So um, on that one, uh, we have uh, supported 0800 Hungary in a number of different ways as a church, but I was just talking to Nikki the other day about um, how we could do that. Sorry, could you grab me a glass of water? Thank you. Um, how we could do that in, St. in the St. Martins area. And uh, there is about, um, what do you say, maybe five or six food parcels a week that go into the immediate St. Martins area. And if we've got the resources to do a few more, we'll extend that uh, maybe into a power Beckenham, sort of around this way. Because we want to connect with people in this particular area, okay? So what we're going to do is we will sign up for doing that. We'll kind of make this area as kind of our zone as a church. And um, we can even pick up the food parcels from 0800 Hungry and bring them here every week. And so all you need to do is uh, collect those food parcels from the church here and then take them out into the, into the homes that need them. And then hopefully, like Nikki, you can have that opportunity to build relationships with people where you can um, yeah, minister into their lives. And, uh, and if nothing else, pray a blessing and pray uh, for that household that you're delivering to. Cool, thank you. Um, so, yeah, if you want to sign up for that, can you come and uh, talk to Jonty or me or whoever's on the info desk? If you can just hey, just say, hey, yeah, I'd be interested in that. It doesn't mean that you're doing every week. Probably something like once a month you'd do a few food parcels. But we'd put you on a roster and just flick out a text when the parcels come in and just go, look, we've got five to go out this week. Have you got any time? If you've got the time, then you do it, you sign it up. If not, we'll go to the next person on the list. So just if you're willing to be on a list where we contact you um, and you want to practically help and engage our ministry in, this, uh, in our community in this sort of way, then uh, let us know and, and we'll, we'll get into it. That would be great. Cool. Right. So as we've been looking at, um, we're looking at how we, how we love our neighbours. And the question we are, have been exploring over the last few weeks is, how did Jesus love those around him? I think it's a pretty important question to ask. Jesus said, love God and love your neighbour. Well, what did he mean by that? How did he model it? What, did, what do we see from his life? And what we see is that there wasn't a formula. He didn't go, right, uh, do this and do that and do the other thing. He said, no, no, it comes from a place where you are closely relating to God. We looked at that a few weeks ago where our love for others has to come from the love of God that is already in us, right? Otherwise, it's just a, a duty that we are following or just we kind of think, oh, we'll do this, it'll be a good thing. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But surely it comes from the love that we've received from God first. Amen? So, so the context, the source of loving our neighbor comes from God. And then the context, as we've been sharing about already this morning, the context, as we see with Jesus, is relationship. Like we, we earn the right to minister, to pray, to speak into people's lives 
when we've built relationship with people, right? Um, when you just go up to people and say, hey, you know, you need to be saved, you know, or, or whatever, you're not usually going to get a very good reception. I, I've heard of a few exceptions to that rule, but generally I would say 90 plus percent of people come to a, faith, a saving faith in Christ because of connected with a Christian. They've come into a relationship with someone who can explain the gospel more to them. So what did Jesus do? Let's look at specifically how Jesus loved those around him. Well, it not only flowed out of who he was, and not only was it a lifestyle where he looked to others and how to bless them, but he practically did things for people. So that's what we looked at last week. And if you didn't hear last week's message, can I urge you to go online and listen to the podcast? Very much a, a, an important message to listen to as part of this series. And in it, Fraser looked at how faith needs to be actioned. You actually have to do something, like pick up a food parcel and deliver it to someone. You have to, we have to be willing to serve those around us. It opens the door for that relationship. Next week, Jonty's going to look at, well, how do we pray for people? Like, if we get that opportunity to pray for people, what does that look like? But this week, I want to look at how do we tell people about Jesus? How do we tell people about how good Jesus is and who he is and what he has come to do for us? Because Jesus cared enough about those around him to explain the kingdom of God to them, to reveal who he was to them. Why? Because their eternal destiny was on the line. It literally was and is a life and death issue. This is the good news. And so Jesus would often talk about his kingdom, how to enter into his kingdom, the good news of who he was and the difference that he made in coming. And likewise, it's an important dimension of loving our neighbor is to share the good news with them to share the, the good news that, hey, there is a heaven, there is an eternity for them after they die. There is a life in Christ that they can come into. So let's look at three examples of how Jesus did that. So it's going to come up on the screen, but if you want to follow it, I'm reading from the NIV. And we're looking at the first example is Jesus and his encounter with a man called Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And all the examples we're looking at are in the, in the Gospel of John, where John has an eyewitness account. He's there, he's watching how Jesus has those conversations. And he's writing those conversations down so we can learn from them. So let's listen. John 3 verse 1 says this. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, who was a Pharisee. So he's a very religious guy who, was, who liked to follow the rules. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said. We all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. So even this guy who has um, 
been a religious person all his life. He's very devout. He, he goes to church every Sunday like you do. Um, well, most Sundays. <laughs> so he's like you. He, he's religious. He's trying to do the right thing. And he goes to Jesus and he says, so am I in the kingdom? Like, I'm all good, right? And he goes, no, 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 you have to be born again. And, and Nicodemus is trying to get his head around this. Like, what are you talking about? So a little bit further on, Jesus explains that Nicodemus has to put his trust in Christ, like literally trust in who Jesus is. Jesus explains it this way, verse 14. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life, or puts their full trust in Christ, in me, in who I am. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him, again, he emphasizes it again. Notice it's the second time that Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, believe in me, put your trust in me, will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. This is the good news. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Three times Jesus outlines it to Nicodemus saying, this is what it looks like. Put your trust in me. Let's jump over a chapter to chapter four. Jesus encounters a a Samaritan woman and asks her for a drink. And uh, the Samaritan woman says, well, yeah, I, I don't think you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We're not meant to really be talking to each other. So, and you're asking me for a drink? Um, we pick it up in verse 10. Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift of God, the gift God has for you, and who you, who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus tells her, I am the Messiah. And then it it doesn't actually say that she puts her trust in Jesus, but it's kind of inferred because she goes and tells the whole village, come and listen to this guy. He's amazing. And and the whole village ends up trusting in Christ and realizing that who he is and that he's the Messiah. Another way, a different way of presenting the gospel. Let's look at a third example, John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was a, a belief they had in the ancient world. And Jesus said, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world, trying to explain who he is. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and spread the mud over the man's eyes. That's not a very COVID-friendly thing to do, I can say. Uh, He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Now there's several verses here and you can read it when you get home where there's a whole lot of um, kerfuffle over this where people are saying, well, who healed this guy? Who, you know, and, and 
and the, and the blind man's going, well, I don't know who, who healed me. I just, you know, this guy came along, he made mud, he put it in my eyes, and now I see, you know. And they're going, well, he can't be from God. And, and he's going, well, he must be from God because he's doing good. He's doing these miraculous things. And so in the midst of this discussion, we, we pick it up in verse 30, where the, the blind man is responding to the Pharisees. He's saying, well, this is very strange. He healed my eyes, and you, you don't know who he is or where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but, it is, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not have done it. You were born a total sinner, the, the Pharisees said. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Again, coming back to that, putting his trust in him. The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. You see, the gospel is centered on this. It's centered on who Jesus is. Jesus is the gospel. And as we go out into the world and love people, we have to introduce them to Jesus. We have to, in the context of that relationship, call them to put their trust in Christ. Why? Because that's where life comes from. This is, this is the life that he has for them. God wants a relationship with everyone around you. Amen? Everyone is, is, is called by God to come into a relationship with him. So good deeds, delivering food parcels, taking boxes across the road, doing things like that will open the door for us to have relationships. It's a really important step in loving our neighbor. But as we do that, there will be opportunities that will co open up for us to have those conversations in the context of those relationships. And as you see Jesus conversing with Nicodemus, conversing with the Samaritan woman, conversing with the blind man, he takes a genuine interest in them. He actually wants to know who they are. He wants to connect with their need and bring his life to them and show them how they can enter into that relationship. And so the first thing that we need to do is not kind of come with a formula and present a track to people and things like that. We actually just need to take a genuine interest in people. It's as simple as that. And, and, and that may sound simple, but we live busy lives, right? And it's just so easy to get on a bus or a plane or be hanging out in the supermarket and just go through our day and be focused on the task and not aware of people that we can connect around us. Or we just don't take the time to invite someone over and, and have a coffee with them or connect with them or um, connect with our family or friends as much as we, as we could. And what we see from Jesus is he, he takes the time to relate to people. He takes the time to have, show a genuine interest in who they are and what they're going through. And what Jesus is looking for is where the Holy Spirit is working in their lives and to connect with that. And so he presents the gospel in different ways and in different situations. Why? Because it depends on where the person's at. 
So as you're having those conversations with people, as Nikki gave us a wonderful example of before, just connect with, well, what's going on in their lives? What, what are their needs? What are their struggles? What are their hopes and dreams? What are they looking for? What are they working towards? And remember, like, it, what I find is people quite enjoy talking about themselves, right? So when you get into that conversation with people, sometimes it's a little bit awkward to start off with. And um, like mum and I have delivered quite a few 0800 hungry parcels to people. And sometimes people just like go, oh yeah, put it there. And you try and chat away to them. And they, they kind of just go, they brush you off. They don't want to engage in conversation. And that's fine. Like don't, don't push yourself on people. Don't say, oh, no, come on, you've got to, I want to find out about your life, you know. If they don't want to talk, that's fine, you know. Like well, let's not be pushy. But let's be open to relating. And sometimes you, 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 you put the box of food down, you're unpacking it, and you get to chatting, and they just start opening up about their lives. And you, it, it's those moments where you take the time and go, okay, God, what are you doing here? What, what's the need in their life? How can I bring encouragement? How can I bring hope into the situ situation? And you'll find that depending on the situation, people have a vast array of different needs and dreams and hopes and uh, things like that. Like you, you encounter some people that it, it just seems like they've got life all together. And you think, well, there's no need there for me to connect the kingdom of God to. But they might have some big life questions. Um, so, yeah, it's just about staying in relationship and staying in that conversation long enough to find out where the Holy Spirit is working. So take a genuine interest in people. And that's not just for the extroverts out there. I know I'm, I'm a bit of an extrovert. I love connecting with people, and I, I, I love just pummeling them with questions and getting to know people. I find people fascinating. Um, so you might think, oh, it's easy if you're an extrovert. But actually, if you're an introvert, you love connecting with people on a deeper level. But it's just getting over that initial conversation starters. Is, it can be a little bit awkward. So just think of some good open-ended questions that help get things going. Right, so that's the first thing that we see, that Jesus takes a genuine interest in people. The second thing we see is that Jesus is spirit-led in the timing and the delivery of the gospel, of the good news. And we need to be like that. We need to be sensitive to where people are at and sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about being prayerful as we go about our day. And I, it, it really does make the difference. When you are going into a situation, you're connecting with people, you're um, sitting around a family dinner or you're in the mall and connecting up with a group of friends, you're at whatever social context you're in, if you are praying, God, show me where you're working here and what you're doing, or, and, and just bless these people, I just pray your blessing upon this person. As you do that, it's amazing what God will reveal to you. Uh, Jesus did this with the Samaritan woman uh, and sort of tested her a bit and said, well, go call your husband. And she, goes, she says, well, I, I can't do that because I'm not married just right at the moment. And he goes, yeah, I know that. You've actually been married several times. And, and he, she goes, whoa, you know. That was a, a spiritual insight that Jesus gave, that the Holy Spirit gave Jesus 
for that moment. And God will give you insights into a situation or just how to turn a conversation towards spiritual things. And be open to that. Be aware of that. Just consider that. Now, it won't be every time. It won't be in every conversation. But if you're prayerful, if you take a genuine interest in other people and you're prayerful, God will give you those opportunities. Uh, been talking to one or two people in the congregation over the last week who have um, unfortunately been to funerals and uh, had a loss of a loved one in their families. And it's interesting that uh, as they've prayerfully uh, gone into that situation where they're connecting with their extended family in a, in a very tragic circumstance, God's opened up opportunities for them to, to share uh, their lives and, and, and to share Christ uh, and to share hope and encouragement with their extended family who uh, are often more open in times of crisis like that. So, you know, it, it may be at a, a, a family event or a wedding or a funeral or something like that, but if we, if we go prayerfully into those situations, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us. So we see Jesus take a genuine interest in people. We see that he's sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing in and around him. And that takes a bit of intentionality, doesn't it, to do that. And the third thing that we see is that he looks for an opportunity to explain who he is and how to put our trust in him. And this is the gospel. The gospel is, has to be centered on Christ. Uh, there's, there's a whole lot of other things that we can talk about. Like you could have someone go, oh, yeah, but I, I'm, I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to have anything to do with Christians because of this. And they raise an objection and you answer that objection. You know, maybe there's too much suffering in the world and why does God do that? Or they have other questions that they work their way through. And you might think, oh, well, I'm explaining the gospel to the person. No, you're, you're explaining, you're helping them overcome some objections that they have, but that's not the gospel. At some point, and again, it's not necessarily in every conversation, but at some point if someone says, well, what is it about Jesus? What do you believe? Are you ready to answer that question? I'll just leave that hanging out there. If someone, you know, maybe one of your family members or some, one of your workmates come up to you and said, so you go to church, right? And you go, yeah, yeah, I go to church. Well, explain to me, what is it all about? What are you going to say at that point? Or if there's this opportunity to speak into their life and, and you want to introduce them to the life that God has for them, what are you going to say? Now, I appreciate there is a number of different ways that you can have that conversation. And it will depend on the context. But it has to include three elements, basically. It has to include... This is who Jesus is. I think it's there in your notes. The first one is, this is who Jesus is. Because Jesus said he is the only way, the truth, and the life, right? So if we're going to present the gospel, we have to talk about Jesus. And I find this really interesting, is that most people don't have an issue with Jesus. They might have an issue with church. They might have an issue with Christians and what they've done over the years. They might even have issues with the Bible and what the Bible says. And, I, and, and you know, it's okay to address some of those issues. 
But eventually I challenge them with, hey, what do you think of Jesus? It's, it's a really great question to ask people is go, hey, what's your opinion of Jesus? And they go, oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's a pretty cool guy, I suppose. He, he taught some stuff and he's, he's a good example to follow. And then you can go, well, Jesus said he was much more than that. And this is, comes to the second thing, is not just who Jesus is, but what did he come to do? Why did Jesus come? He came to die for us. He came to save us from our sin. He came to bring us into a relationship with God. So somewhere in the conversation, you ha- we, there is this transition to say, well, this is why Jesus came. He didn't just come to be a good moral teacher. He actually came to give us a relationship with God, to make that way for us to relate to God. And then the third element of the gospel that we present is our response. Like Jesus did in every situation he was in, he goes, hey, this is how you're to respond. This is how you come into my kingdom, that you put your trust in me. And describing what that looks like. And often you can use your experience and say, hey, this is how I came to put my trust in Christ and the difference that it's made in my life. And in you describing how it looked like, what it looked like for you, people can go, ah, okay, that's what it looks like for me. And yeah, there might be a a sinner's prayer that they could pray that you could take them through. But at the end of the day, it really has to be a meaningful uh, connection for them to go, okay, will I not trust in what, how I'm living my life, but will I trust in Christ and put my full trust and confidence in what he has done for me? That's the gospel. I, I've been in many situations where um, altar calls have been given or uh, things, you know, the gospel so-called has been preached and I'm like, ah, you know, the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. If, if what Jesus can do for us is the gospel. If there's not a response of repentance and trust in him, it's not the gospel. That's the gospel. It has to be centered in Christ. How you do that, how you present that, there's a number of different ways to do that. But if you just remember those core things, when asked that question, you'll be on the right track. Uh, yeah, I was in a, in a meeting once and they talked about how, I think the, the, the preaching was actually about Joseph. And how Joseph trusted in God and he, he achieved all his dreams. And then the article was given, hey, if you, if you want to um, fulfill your dreams, God wants you to fulfill your dreams. And, you know, come forward and we'll pray for you. And this was at a young people's meeting. So, I mean, hundreds of young people came forward and they were like, yeah, 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 I want God to fulfill my dreams. They, they came and they prayed for all these young people. And I was, I was talking to the organizer of this event um, the next day, and, and I said, oh, you know, it was great to see that response and things like that, and he goes, yeah, it was great to see 200 young people saved last night, and I was like, oh, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, like, let's back the truck up here, <laughs> you know, you, was, was the gospel presented? He goes, yeah, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, so, so we've got to be careful, we've got to be honest in, 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 um, in church, about what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. Let's be really clear on that. There is power in presenting the word of God as it is, not watering it down, not trying to change it, not trying to make it more palatable, not making it easy for people to enter in. You see, Jesus didn't make it easy. Jesus made it tough for people. 
You know, when he's having this conversation with Nicodemus, Nicodemus is going, man, this is really tough. In um, Matthew 19, here's another example. He challenges this young man. He says, you know, if you want the life that I have for you, go and sell everything that you have and follow me. Matthew 19, verse 22, it says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus didn't go, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, uh, sorry, I made that a bit tough. Okay, uh, yeah, come back here. Hey, if you, if you, maybe I'll take half, you know. He, he didn't do that, you know. Don't water it down. When, when you've got the opportunity to clearly outline the gospel, make it clear, make it challenging. If they say no, that's okay. They're not saying no to you. They're saying no to God. And in the meantime, they'll go away and think about it. And then maybe they'll come back to it again. But it has to be clear when we're presenting it. Does that, does that make sense? Because God wants people to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants them to know him. And he wants them to be really clear on what that looks like. And so it may take time, as Nikki was sharing before, it may take years journeying with people. And, and I find with close family and friends, you don't get that opportunity very often to share about your faith, do you? But we need to be ready for that time when God opens the door and gives us that opportunity. We'll just love them anyway. We'll take a genuine interest in their life. We'll look for those opportunities. We keep praying for them. I have a family member that I have prayed for for many, many years, and they still haven't come to faith in Christ. But that's okay. I'm not going to give up on them. I'm going to keep praying. And if we keep taking that genuine interest in people, if we keep serving them through good deeds, if we keep loving people out of a genuine love that God has given us to them, God will open up those opportunities for us to share life with them. Romans 10, verse 14 says this, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him or put their trust in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You're that someone. You're that someone. You're that someone who God has called to love their neighbor with good deeds. You're that someone that has been called to take a genuine interest in people, to build relationships with them, to pray for them, to look for opportunities to see where the Spirit of God is at working and cooperate with what God is doing. And you're that person when the opportunity comes and they want to know how to follow Jesus, to clearly explain it to them, this is who Jesus is. This is why he came. And this is your response that you need to make in response to that. But let's be ready for those conversations. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.